us pray. Dear Jesus, all our wanderings come home to you tonight. We're so glad to be in your good company. We're so glad that whether we're here in the sanctuary or we're at home, that you know all our needs, you know our hearts, you know what worries us, you know our fears, and you know our joys, you know what makes us tick. You know us so well, and you love us so much that on a night like tonight, you like to remind us how precious we are. And now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Christmas can be a joyful time. We find ourselves getting excited like children waiting for Christmas Eve to finally arrive. Greetings from friends, both near and far, and now due to COVID, friends and time with them even means more than it ever has. We get excited about the story that we're about to hear. We eagerly await the message that the new baby or perhaps a wedding in the family or a trip coming up, a new job, all the things that are happening inside family and friends where we can rejoice and give God thanks. Our Christmas joy can be enhanced by the joy of others. Joy can be contagious. And then there are other messages that arrive, sometimes in the mail, sometimes by email, where we hear about friends or family that are struggling that are going through a hard time. Maybe the Christmas card that tells a different story. You'll be sorry to hear that two months ago, Beth passed away. Or another, perhaps, family story that reads, the past year we were stunned by a job loss or a divorce, a financial crisis, an illness, any kind of adversity that we so don't wish upon anyone. Christmas and the season of Advent, when we are to be watching and waiting and preparing, can kind of be like a roller coaster. It seems to me that the highs are really high and the lows can be really low. And so we find that we come to this place tonight because Jesus meets us wherever we are. He knows that he has come again and again to enter our lives and to be with us always. From Christmas laughter to being overcome with tears of sadness, the songs of angels we have heard on high can be hushed, the lights dimmed, when we glimpse into the darkness of our own pain or adversity and even the pain of someone we love. You know, the truth is that each and every one of us in this sanctuary tonight, we're carrying some kind of burden to the manger this year. 
And on some level, all of us came here tonight to hear the words that Jesus says to us personally, those words that lift off the page in scripture. Come to me. I know that you're weary. I know that you're carrying a heavy burden. Come, give it to me, and I will give you rest. The words may be familiar ones, but sometimes we forget to let Jesus take our burdens. Tired and loaded down with the cares of everyday life, we think that this is just the way it has to be. We should be stronger. You know, compared to our neighbor, we're not so bad. How many times have you said that? Oh no, I don't need the meal. Give it to somebody who really needs it. Christmas can be all about receiving, can be all about allowing others to come into our life in whatever small or big way to sit with us or to pray for us, to just be there if we need a person to call. You know, Jesus doesn't think that way of isolating ourselves is the best way. And we also know that we do need those times of silence. And so I would invite you, as we're on this road to Bethlehem, that whatever adversity or grief you may be carrying, that you imagine that Jesus is walking alongside you and that you give that to him. Jesus wants to help you and I carry our burdens. More than that, to help us live our lives and to have abundant lives, work life, family life, time with friends, having a life that is satisfying and gives us meaning. And that is the yoke that he offers us, means being with him in all circumstances, relying on our faith even when we can't see what's gonna come behind the next open door or relying when we feel like we're climbing up a mountain and it's dark and we hold out that lantern that all we really need to see is just the next step, the next faithful step. Because you see, Christ adds meaning to all days, but to me especially in the holidays. Christ finds purpose for us when he says, come and follow me. And out of gratitude to Jesus, perhaps this season, we could keep our eyes and our ears open to someone we know that's perhaps carrying a heavy burden and minister to them. Because we know that sometimes when we're going through our own grief or adversity, there will be those moments when we can just show up or call on the phone or send that email or text and that person knows that you're going through the same struggle and you offer perhaps a verse of scripture or an encouraging word or maybe a memory. In my reading, I came across a true story written by a woman whose mother-in-law died suddenly one Christmas. She was relatively young and naturally the family was overwhelmed with sorrow and loving friends expressed their concern so that the darkness of the shadow that came over that happy season could also be survived 
together, even when apart. What helped them the most during those difficult days in December was a handwritten note that someone had left for the family, squeezed into the storm door, waiting for them. And what it did is it offered a different perspective. The note read, do not think of the shadow which the sorrow has cast over your Christmas. Think rather of the light which Christmas sheds upon your shadow. That is the power of Advent hope, releasing light into darkness. A hope that first came through God's promise to Bethlehem, which calls all of us to look up from wherever we're at on our own journeys and to see that Christ and that Bethlehem star is still guiding us, still overhead, still nearby. Advent hope means turning to Jesus and saying, shine the light of your love into the darkest part of my life. In my own experience, I've come to believe that it is the places of weakness, the places where we're grieving and hurting, and which is most open to the light of Christ entering in. Part of the good news of Christmas is that it is precisely where God leaves the treasure of the hope for the world, right? It's the hope of Jesus. God has not come to that part which swaggers through our lives when we think we've got it all going on when we're confident and we're self-sufficient and we've convinced ourselves even for a moment that everything's good and we've got it all under control. It seems to me, at least in my life, God doesn't come to us in that part which kind of brushes aside that part that looks ahead and is always on the move, but God works in ways through our own adversity, through those days when we say, I don't know if I could do one more thing. God comes to us when we're sad. God comes to us when we're hungry for something more. And God casts light through Jesus and penetrates the darkness and the adversity. You know, perhaps Luke, the writer of the gospel passage today, wants us to know that the treasure of the gospel, which will one day fill the earth with power, must first be planted in those places of hurt and helplessness in us, which yearn for more. Luke's word to us this day is that God hears our prayers and that it's into such situations of adversity that the power of God is born in us. And that means that tonight and every night we can bring our tired and sometimes troubled spirits to the manger of the Christ child and find exactly what we long for. Comfort, love, hope, community, even a deep abiding joy. The friend that wrote that note for that family, mourning the loss of their mother-in-law and mother, offered an insight into Christmas 
that is all about seeing things not only as they are, the reality, but anticipating what comes next, what might be, giving God room to work to let the Holy Spirit have its way. This Christmas, we're gonna see presents and we're gonna see decorations and oh my gosh, if you drive down my street, I think you could see my front yard for a mile. All those lights through the neighborhood, visiting with family and friends, and we now know that both of those things can be stressful and they can be enjoyable all at once. And I think about the friend who wrote that note, those words of comfort that remind me of a modern day Mary, because Mary invites us to see things differently, to find the good news of Christmas in a new place, in the gift of God's favor. A young teenage girl favored by God. We can't imagine that God would favor us. But God does. God continues to do extraordinary things through ordinary people like us. It is to really take to heart the fact that God loves us, that God's affection for us has nothing to do with degrees on a wall or money in a bank account or achievements or marital status. In fact, the surprising insight of Mary's song in Luke the Magnificat is when she says, God has looked upon with favor in my lowliness. Lowliness, humbleness. Mary announced that God favors us in our lowliness, in our humanity, in our simple willingness to lean on our faith and God to see us through. When I turn to the Bible for a definition on the word hope, I find one word, Jesus. His name is defined, Emmanuel, God with us. And this name has a clear and specific meaning. God saves. Nothing subtle about it. God saves. God has given us the Messiah. And his name announces to the hurting, waiting world that God is still active, that God is still standing in between the Herods that threaten us. And the promise of Emmanuel is powerful because it means that God is with us now and will always be. Through stress or sickness or conflict or confusion or failure or frustration, or despair, even death itself. That's the guarantee of Emmanuel. All the Herods and all the powers that be gathered around to do their worst the night that Jesus was born. God with us is not only the message to Mary and Joseph, but to you and to me, God is with us in every time and every place. There is nowhere you can run outside the love of God and the grace of God. There was once a man who was on the way to his office and he passed by this building site. And what really intrigued him was there was this 
large bank that was kind of being erected and there was this man that was there day after day and he was working with the stone and this passerby loved to work with stone but he considered himself an amateur as every day that he walked by and he came home the stone that this man was crafting on the bank it, it was breathtaking to this man and he would stand and he would watch and most of the time the craftsman was so into what he was doing he wouldn't even notice the passerby and each day as he passed he would pause a little longer as the work progressed to admire the work of the stonemason so one morning as he watched the stonemason happened to look up and their eyes met and the onlooker smiled and he complimented the craftsman on his work and the other nodded his thanks and the onlooker asked him this question where will this piece of marble fit in to the finished work of the building and the craftsman looked right at him and he said i don't know i haven't seen the plans i just trust that the architect and me doing my part will make it all happen. I think that the stonemason's words should become our words tonight. We haven't seen God's plans for our lives. Every day can be a new adventure. And we need to trust that God who is our architect God who has given us these gifts and given us the Spirit and Jesus to walk with us daily and we do our part and where we may think that part is insignificant it's a piece in building the kingdom of God you have a piece in building the kingdom of God God's wondrous redemptive plan and what did Mary know there as part of the plan? All she knew was that God promised that God would be with her and that she would have a son. And God told her to name him Jesus. She began to look for signs and hope in the world, just as we are called to do today. It just seems that if you look wide, if you look around, even in your place of sadness, you will find someone or something or perhaps something beautiful in God's good creation. And you will begin to feel your faith and yourself restored. And for Mary, it wasn't just some wishful thinking. Absolutely not. And she said yes to becoming the mother of Jesus she said yes from her core it's an ultimate belief that when all else fails when whatever is happening in our lives when all the supports give way that our lives still remain in the hands of god and like christmas it's all about giving ourselves over to god and saying have your way because we know whatever that way is, it is certainly better than our way. When Elizabeth welcomed Mary, oh my goodness, what joy. Having come from a town where the neighbors were looking on and she was part of the rumor mill, still trying to trust God 
here she shows up at her cousin's house, and it's joy. Amazing. Joy in adversity. And a song comes from her mouth. How like music to remind us of a special day or a person or a place, and it never gets old. You see, on a dark night in Bethlehem, the Savior came to a feed stall in a barn, so lowly, and yet the absolute treasure which was entrusted to Mary became the treasure for you and for me. So this night, may Jesus shine his light in any darkness you're experiencing. Whenever you're afraid, may he remind you that he is always present beside you. May he give you the courage to hope in adversity and grant you the eyes to see his joy in you, that you have Jesus' favor. And feed your soul in the good company of the light and the music and the prayers and communion tonight. Feed your soul by learning to love yourself, by loving others. For God be with you this night and all nights to come. Amen.